This is a CNA podcast. Welcome to CNA Lifestyles House Party for Two, Season 2, with me, Maysia, where celebrities get comfortable, let their hair down, and have a cup of tea in an intimate session that doesn't require spending hours on their hair, having someone do their makeup, or even putting pants on. This season is all about responsible social distancing, so we're settling in for cozy online chats in the comfort of our own individual houses. Pour yourself a drink and come join our little shindig. This week, I have Shabir with me as my guest. We all know him as one of Singapore's most successful musicians, but today we take a peek into his troubled past as a member of a gang and how it was music that eventually saved him. Hey Shabir, welcome to House Party for Two, where the party's at your house and the party's also at my house. <laughs> nice, hi me. <laughs> Happy to connect with you. What's that picture though that's sitting on the piano behind you right now? Um, I've seen it appear in lots of your Insta photos. Yeah. It's in a blue frame and it's of a man playing a blue piano, but the man is wearing a balaclava. He's wearing a face mask that covers his whole head, right? When I got this painting uh, from the store, um, the store owner was saying that, you know, I asked him, what is this about? And then he said that this is something to do with protest. So he didn't quite know. And then I went to Google it up and, you know, man wearing a balaclava on piano, man on blue piano, that kind of thing. Finally, I found it. And then I realized that the story is that this was a sort of, um, uh, what's that? protest against because they wanted to change this place it's near ukraine Mm. if i'm not wrong uh and then they wanted to change this place into a like a commercial zone or you know something like that and then uh, but this used to be a place rich in history and Mm. arts so this is a sort of like um this man's protest that um to to not change that place and retain its uh, authenticity and keep the place as it is, yeah. So that is one thing. I think I see the Ukrainian flag, yeah, correct. So I hope uh, I got the actual technical facts right. But I remember that's the reason why when I I read that story, and I was like, damn, I'm going to get this, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So obviously it spoke to you creatively or in some way, right, personally? It did because um, I think it's a sort of um, parallel of similar... Um, sensibilities of what we artists sometimes face in Singapore where you know it's not deemed as important and um, many times we have made some trade-offs you know and we have chosen like not the arts on a personal level and as a society itself and um, so I've got a bone to pick with that so I thought you know when I when I read this story and then I was like oh that's nice that's like sort of like mirroring like what I feel about where I am sometimes so I got it. That's interesting because I definitely would consider you one of the most successful musicians in Singapore. What do you feel that you've given up in order to pursue that life? So I think it's not about me. It's more of like what I see around me. And like even me, okay, you're right. I mean, I could be uh, prolific and that is due to a multitude of factors. It's not just my hard work, but it's not just my hustle, but it's also, you know, a lot of other things, being at the right place at the right time, etc. But what if people are not at the right place at the right time? Then it becomes a lot more challenging for them to pursue a career in the music industry because, you know, everybody, I mean, I mean a lot of people are also against it, including their parents and it could be their teachers. And, um, you know, um, we do get a lot of support. I mean, of course, I'm not saying that, you know, there is not support. There is no support. There is a lot of support compared to what it was before. But... 
I think our DNA has been programmed in such a way, right? Like back in the, what, um, 60s when they started, you know, when the riot police started like uh, taking everyone with long hair on streets, you know. And then in terms of uh, expression uh, and um, creative freedom, there are certain things which have been regulated for a very long time. Um, and although I've not been terribly affected by it, because uh, my stand is different, whether it's um, artistically, lyrically, and politically, but what what about those who choose a stand which is not very inconvenient? Then they should not be stifled, and that is my, my point, you see. So I think it's more for them and not really for me, because and sometimes when you're in a position where you are okay, you're doing all right, but you always keep a lookout for like your fellow musicians and your fellow artists, like even during COVID times, uh, although it was difficult for us for sure, but we are studio musicians, you know, we are post-production technicians. And so we are not as affected as our friends in the live music fraternity, but that does not stop us from feeling for them, right? And we try to do something to help them. And I'm gonna jump on a concert in this coming month to help uh, live musicians in India who are suffering because, you know, they have, um, there's, there are no gigs right now. So I think these are things like, I mean, they would do it for me if I needed it. I'm pretty sure, you know, that's how the, the arts community works. So I don't think you have to be like personally affected by it mm-hmm. to actually feel for it. Is there anything that you feel like you've given up though, to be an artist? Um, no, nothing. Because you know why? Just recently, right, I met a friend of mine because I used to be in these, um, I used to be in a gang in Singapore like an organized triad because I was at risk youth myself. So I met a friend of mine and then we're, I mean, I just bumped into him at a wedding and then he was telling me, I was asking him, you know, how are you? And then he was saying how he is. And we started running by all the names that we used to hang out with. Then we realized that there are a few in prison and there are a few of them who are dead. And um, I was just thinking that, man, I'm so lucky. Because, you know, if I had stayed on and the music didn't come as a salvation for me, then um, I wouldn't be where I am today. So for different people, music means different things. Like for some people, it's an expression. And some people, it's an exploration. And for some people, it's to travel inward and find out more about themselves. But for me, it's actually salvation. It may sound dramatic, but that's the truth. (laughs) So I don't think there was anything that I I gave up. which is like, um, even if I say that, okay, I gave up maybe um, like a, a lot of sleep, you know, I, I gave up, I gave up um, to be uncertain. I had to be uncertain for many years of my life because I don't know where I'm going to be. And that actually robbed me of my sleep and gave me a lot of anxiety. So, yeah, these are things which I gave up and they're worth it, you know, because you have, you've got to sacrifice some things to gain something. There's this um, Buddhist um, story where, you know, Huike, the disciple, uh, of um, Bodhidharma, Dhammu, he stands outside the cave because he wants Bodhidharma to accept him as a disciple. And to show his seriousness, he ends up chopping his arm off to gain the attention of Bodhidharma. And he wants him to teach him and accept him as a disciple. So basically what that story means is not like to chop off your limbs, but you know, the story is like the importance of sacrifice. What are you willing to give up to attain what you want? And I think like, firstly, I've... I've saved myself by, you know, being in music because I could have gone in a very different path. Secondly, I think whatever that I gave up is like the basic things that you expect to give up if you want to do anything and you want to follow your passion. So I think, yeah. I think that's so amazing. It really illustrates the power of music and of the arts in someone's life. 
What was it like in the gang? How old were you when you first joined? So I was. Um, uh, why I joined the gang is because in primary school I got bullied. So then I went to secondary. I was like sick and tired of it. I was telling myself <laughs> I'm not going to let anyone bully me anymore. <laughs> so how it started? It's a. It's not I joined a gang because of that. It's after that what I did is like. I started behaving in a very different way. Like, I uh, if if I sense anyone like wants to bully me, I will bring the fight to them. Actually, I started doing that, and that will attract attention. You see, and after a point, you're gonna get into trouble that you cannot handle as a single person, and then you have no choice but to find an alliance which will probably protect you. So it's 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 it, that's how it started. The bullying pushed me into you know mm. uh, being aggressive and violent, and from there. I had to join a gang because there was no choice. When you start becoming violent, you'll start attracting all kinds of, you know, trouble. And then I joined it, and then I was in it. So from 13 to uh, like 17, mm-hmm. I was on my own. I had associations, but I didn't join any gang per se. And then 17, I had to join, and then I was in it till just before like Vasantham started, like six months. I quit not because of Vasantham Star, but because of something else. I quit, right. <laughs> and then Vasantham Star happened. Yeah. Are you allowed to talk about it? Isn't it like the first rule of gang membership is you never talk about gang membership? I mean, it's it's um, so many years have passed, and they have also like kind of um, changed. A lot of them have repented. They know that it was wrong. Mm. A lot of them are like have are leading a new. Like one of them is an NTU grad. You know what I'm saying? So like a lot of them have changed, and I think we're all talking from the same position. Like we were looking back at it and we're like, yeah, that was that was dumb, you know. We did not do that. Yeah, the the, the brotherhood wasn't definitely yeah. mm-hmm. what we felt for each other. Those feelings were were real, of mm-hmm. course, but but not the getting into the structure of a of a triad and doing dumb shit. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah. So it was mainly a lot of violence and like territorial fights and. And airy. also. Uh, <laughs> uh, And uh, like also when they're like they, we call it the cotswi when they're gambling, uh, there will be people who will keep a lookout. And this shift changes. So I used to do that too, and I used to get paid for this kind of stuff. Right. And then when you protect territory and you go down and protect territory, then you get paid for that also. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I find this fascinating because you're pretty much the only ex-gang member I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have a duty to educate me on these things. <laughs> I have a duty to educate like so many people, and and that's the reason why. Whether, even if I'm in India and I'm like in slums and I speak to those boys, I feel so connected to them because I know what they're going through. I know why they're the way they are. I just know it. You know, I don't judge them, and for a reason, they'll feel something about. Hey, there's something about this guy. We can actually talk to him. You know, he's not like that musician from Singapore that. We cannot communicate with. So I think maybe in that way, it's it's a blessing because you know I get to talk to people and I understand where they're coming from and potentially also direct them towards a more uh, purposeful place. Direct, teach them, or at least share with them how I directed my energy to a to a more meaningful place.、Mm. Yeah. So how exactly did music save you? You use the word salvation. That's a big word. Yeah, it is. It is a big word, and and I think it is true. Uh, maybe the other thing which saved me was my mother's prayers.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would like to say,、mm-hmm. I think、um, uh, when when this whole thing happened, right,、um, we got involved in a very, very, very big、uh, like a gang war kind of thing, and it was、uh, it was a time when my mother was in India, and I was thinking like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like I could potentially I could have gotten killed, 
And, you know, the, the belligerent had someone who went into coma for two days. And it was just getting, like, things just get out of hand real quick when in these kind of scenarios, you know. Because people are, like what Nietzsche said, like, insanity rarely exists in an individual, but it is the order, you know, in, in, in herds and in groups, right? So that's what happens in gangs. So it was just becoming really meaningless and pointless, but it was also becoming crazy. Like, it was a lot of tit for tat. You did this, I got to do this back to you, you know. And uh, at some point, um, I told myself, for some reason, I was praying that day, and I told myself that uh, I want to stop because I don't want my mother to receive a call that your son is dead or your son is in prison. I don't want her to receive that call. And there's been twice where I've been taken to the police station for interrogation, and my mother was kept away from me because my eldest brother managed to get me out <laughs> at that point. So she didn't know about all this. So I think she should have been devastated because she sees us as like good kids who are respectful and stuff like that. So she would have been really devastated that, you know, she found out. So I think that was one thing which I was thinking about. And uh, I already planned to change my ways at that point. And, uh, and then I got, caught, I, I got caught off guard by like 15 people with like golf clubs and hockey sticks and stuff. And they were looking for me because they were really pissed off at me because of the previous fight. And then I took a beating that day and then I went to the hospital and then in the hospital, my brother who was also in the gang with me at that point and all my other gang members, they came and they said, we're going to make them pay for it. And then I said, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to make anyone pay for it. We're going to stop it right now. I said, and they were like surprised because I'm the one who was always like, you know, we got to bring it back to them. You know, we got to make sure we give them twice as hard and stuff. And when, when I said that they were actually surprised and they were not listening. And then I, I, I convinced them. And um, that's a story which is told even today. Like it's because of Shabir <laughs> that we all stopped. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I stopped and then, okay, so I stopped, right? Then where's the salvation part where music saved me, right? So I think, okay, so I stopped. But, but I do think that maybe I could have slipped back into it after a while, possibly, possibly, okay? Because if I did not find the right place to direct my energy, maybe I would have gone back to this, you know? So this is totally possible. But what happened was about six months later or three months later, Vasanun Star kicked off. And I was already like with a band, you know, I, I was in a gang, but I also had a band. So it's kind of a weird combination. Yeah, I know some of my mentees, they're like, what the hell, we're gonna make, make, it, make out the, you know, this whole picture. So, um, so I had a band and music was a very passive force in my life at that point. But when Vasanun Star happened, it kind of took over. And it kind of sealed the deal where I, I will never go back to that way again. Mm. Yeah. I, I was always thinking that if these things don't work out, if nothing works out in Singapore, I'm going to pack my bags, go to India, study, learn, and get into the industry there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of ifs and, you know, would it have happened, et cetera. And then in between, would, would, would there be like these distractions, you know, with the, with the gangs and the violence and stuff like that? Like, all it takes is for you to just meet your friends over the weekend and then uh, they're all going somewhere and they're asking, hey, we're just going to meet this guy and talk to him. Do you want to just come with us? I say, yeah, man, I'll come. And then you go with them and some, something really bad happens. Then you get sucked into the vortex again. So there's this possibility. So that's why like music, you know, really um, helped me redirect my energy. And I had no time for any of these things. So when I met my friend at the wedding, I told you, right, like he's much older than me. He's in his 40s. And he was like the, we call it the Tao, the Ginat Tao. Okay? That means they are in charge of a few soldiers kind of thing so he told me that uh, you know until today the guys asked for you he said they asked like why is Shabir not coming and meeting us nowadays that kind of thing like he's so big but you know he doesn't want to meet us then he was telling me that 
No, I explained to them that his path is different now. We should not disturb him. Let him, you know, do his thing. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, that's nice. So you see, that's how they have also interpreted it, and they are, they are also changing. You see, yeah. So that's that's the thing. They must know who you are. They must know that you're a musician now, right? Yeah, they they all know. They all know. That's why they're asking. Like you know, he, like we always see him on TV and listen to his songs on radio. And some of their children are like also, you know, they like my stuff. Oh. So yeah, so they are like asking, why does he not come and meet us these days? Is it because he's too arrogant now? Yeah, could be potentially. That's what they're implying. Right. Why you know, like, why is he not meeting us nowadays? Is it because he's like so big that he doesn't want to meet us? Then、uh, he helped to explain. But the thing is, like, I still meet a lot of my friends,、mm. and my circle is very limited. I like to keep my circle small.、Mm. I also like to have a lot of space. I don't like big groups and stuff. So all my friends are from the secondary school days. So even that, there is a, like a filter. Like I meet the very important ones, and the ones who are like we used to hang out with. Yeah, I mean, I got no qualms if I bump into them. I'll definitely talk to them. But to hang out, I don't think I have the motivation. Yeah, for that.、Mm. So. Are you saying that up till today, your mom still doesn't know exactly what happened back then? She, she doesn't. She doesn't know like for real. But there was once where, like you see, she see traces of it. She she thought that these boys are angry. They've got temper issues, but she didn't know that we were in a gang、right. because there there have been like okay, I've been very fortunate because all my、um, you know like fights and brawls and everything. My my eldest brother was like. The buffer, he he managed to not bring it to my mother, but my elder brother got caught because it it was a big fight in the middle of Orchard HMV, and that dude <laughs> filed a police report and stuff. So there's no way because he was brought to court and all Were that. Were you in that fight too? No, I wasn't. It was just his solo thing. I wasn't even there that day. Right. Yeah. So and then you know there was another incident where we all went out together, and then、um, one of my friends broke his tooth,、mm. and、uh, he went back home. And his mother called my mother. You know, your my son went out with your son, <laughs> and he broke his tooth. What happened? <laughs> so, so I think she got these hints that okay, these guys are like they got temper issues. They need to chill, you know. But she didn't know the details of what was going on. And you plan to never tell her this. I think it wouldn't make much of a difference to her,、mm. because she's someone who like she doesn't really care about the past,、mm. and she's also like. Uh, I I want to know what it is like right now, and she's like the kind of person where, for her, the relationship with the son is the most key thing, not what he does like in his life, like not even like even the the films that I do, like they are popular actors, right? The films that I score for and the projects that I do, nothing is like a big deal for her. Like even when the prime minister mentions, she's like not. Like okay, good, very good, very good. Do well, do well, do well. <laughs> just, just make sure that you know you're sincere with your work, and that's all she cares about. So, so I think、uh, it wouldn't really matter to her. Like even if I go and tell her that, ma, you know, I was in a gang, like then she's like, okay, so you're not in it now, right? Okay, <laughs> good, <laughs> good for you. She's like, oh, okay, what's for dinner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's like really nonchalant about those things, but she's a very wise、uh, person.、Um, like you know, she really knows how to like. Work with money. She really knows how to save. Like, she without education, she raised three boys in Singapore, and she bought a house. And you know, yeah, she's really something. And I think a lot of things that I learned, I learned it from her. A lot of values like patience and persistence, all the old school values, you know, hard work and all that, which never go out of style. It's all from my mother. Absolutely. And have you also learned to make her famous durian porridge? 
<laughs> oh yeah, damn. No, I haven't uh, learned that. I think the first thing I want to learn from her is the biryani. Like I want to set a date and actually learn it. She's really good. You should try it. You should try her biryani when she makes it next time. Uh. I, I love mean, this year. Biryani. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll get I'll get uh, uh, what's that? What, a packet sent to you when when it's done the next time. Yeah. I love Auntie Zainab's packet food. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you For need sure. to learn these things. It's very important. I will. I will. I will. I, I know. How to, I know how to cook to a certain extent, but I need to learn how to cook like her dishes, her way. You know, I really want to. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. Because you know, you shared this story before, where you know you grew up in this environment where you were constantly moving, and there wasn't a lot of stability. And your dad left the family when you were four, right? Yeah. So Auntie Zainab's the one who's been like the rock of the family. She has been. Yeah. And when you decided that, hey, I need to be a good son now, you <laughs> you went and made it on your own by just starting from the bottom, doing whatever jobs you could, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, one of my colleagues remembers that you were once a security guard in her condo. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, I was, I was. Um, I worked in um, about, I think, four different uh, condos, mm. and I did all kinds of jobs, like not just security. I did like delivery, mm-hmm. uh, dispatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have like uh, washed uh, cars, washed airplanes, washed toilets. You name it, I've done it. <laughs> but apparently, you were not a very good security guard because she remembers well, that yeah. you were reading Harry Potter all the time. Okay, um, I was reading. She got that right, but it it would not have been Harry Potter. That is wrong. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would have been. I used to read like different kinds of material: comparative, comparative religion, uh, autobiographies. Uh, it could have also been John Grisham at that point, depending <laughs> on what age I was. <laughs> it really depends. Uh, so yeah, it is true. I I wasn't good because I used to read a lot on my job. And, uh, <laughs> but I really like um, would finish books in like days because of that. But I mean, please tell her that uh, I do my clocking and all that well. I'm very particular about that, and I don't let you know anyone come in. Like I'm, I'm very strict. Like people, strangers come in. Excuse me, which unit? I'll be like that. And then cars and all that. Even if they get pissed off with me, I'll make sure that you know they tell me their unit number. So, like some of them, they expect some sort of enti- entitlement. Mm. Like, hey, you know my face. Why must I tell you? I don't know. No, tell me your unit number. It's a procedure. <laughs> you mean business? I'm a pain. <laughs> yeah, I'm in business. Yeah. Well, one of the other odd jobs that you did, I think, was you mentioned before selling hair clips, right? That's right. I used to uh, help my brother out, where we used to sell like import hair clips uh, from Thailand and Thailand in Singapore. So he was trying out like businesses, and I used to help him out. And then we also like used to deliver. Like uh, canned drinks for the shops around the Bras Basa mm-hmm. Little India area. Mm-hmm. I will go to a, a shop wearing a tie and you know taking stocks. Okay, sir. So we come from this company. You know, being all professional, we take down the orders, and then um, my friend will have his shop also. Okay. So what happens is we are just like four of us, right? So what we will do is, and per day, like two of us will work. We'll work shifts. So we'll be wearing shirt and tie, but inside we'll be wearing a singlet. So for his shop, I will be the delivery guy. That means you know I'll go and deliver the stuff. I'll take out my shirt and I'll wear my singlet, <laughs> and he will come with me with his tie and shirt. I say, "Order is here," you know. The delivery boy is delivering the kind of thing. Then when we go to mine, 
Then I'll put on my shirt and I'll wipe my face and all that. Uh-huh. Then I'll bring him and he'll remove his shirt and wear a singlet. Like, hey, hey boy, put that on, that kind of thing. So that <laughs> so, you look like you're not a one-man operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we create that image that we're not a one-man operation. Yeah. That's genius. Yeah, yeah. That's what we, we, we used to do. But I want to know how you managed to sell hair clips because um, you aren't the most likely hair clip salesperson. I don't know if I would buy one from you. <laughs> Why not? You don't look like you know what you're talking about when it comes to <laughs> hair accessories. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's um, okay. So this is how it works. Okay, so uh, n- normally what works is is the charm, where mm-hmm. we 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 and then all these aunties are there, right? And then they look at us and it's like, wow, so nice, uh, young boys like you all working selling hair clip. Good, good, come, come, buy from me. So it's not we don't have to do anything oh. about selling the hair clip. It's it's a lot about just showing up. And you are like 18, 17, you know? And they're like, oh. (laughs) But that's a skill in itself. Auntie charming. Auntie charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, then they're like, then some of them will be like, you know, I got my son also. He's just useless. He doesn't even help me in my shop. I wish I had a son like you. I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) The highest compliment. It is, it is. So, so I think that is one of those things uh, which works for us. Like, and then we'll just take out the hair clips and just lay it on the table and just look at, okay, I want this, this, this. So give me more of this next time. Mm-hmm. So we don't even have to do much. We just turn up. Yeah. I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> What's the secret to Auntie Charming 101 though? Like if you had to teach a disciple, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How to charm aunties, Shabir's method. Um, I think uh, you just have to be very polite, which is very necessary, not just for aunties, for everyone. You must be polite. You must smile. <laughs> Um, and then, and then I also think that it's very important to be honest. Oh, yeah. So if you got these three things, of course you got to dress well. Wear I think tie. aunties will like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wear, wear a tie. Yeah. <laughs> I think aunties will like you if you do that. Anyway, you've got better hair than me, so maybe I would trust. Really? <laughs> no, that's not true. You look nice, but you look like you are in a. No, oh, that's your bedroom. Is that a bedroom? Yes, and this is a party. Therefore, I am in a party dress. And <laughs> oh, nice! Like you should like stand up and show me. Like, will you be able to stand up? Are you in a situation? I will to stand, stand up. up. Oh, okay, party okay. dress. Oh, that's very nice. Awesome. Since it's a party, right? Yeah. What's your party trick? I have to ask you. My party trick—it just happens very naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will be like, "Oh, since this year, can you ask him to sing a song?" Boom, so, do it. you? Oblige? Yeah, I, I do, I do. Why not? Is I'm like, when I don't know, like I do hear that people think that I'm not very approachable when they see me because um, I don't know, for, for a multitude of reasons. Some people think I'm not approachable, but if they try talking to me, then I'm very sure they will change their perspective because I like to talk to people. I like to talk to like very old people. I talk to children. I like to talk to people my age. I talk to teenagers. I like to talk to everyone, you know, when they come and speak to me. And... Um, Wherever they ask me, can you sing me a song? I say, it's like, yeah, I will, but you got to sing together with me. I'm like that. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> then we'll start singing. <laughs> so like even in, in parties and stuff and people ask me, I really don't mind. Man. It's no big deal. So can you sing me a song now? Yeah, what song would you want? Do you have a go-to song whenever people ask you? Or are you like, uh, I take requests? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do take requests. <laughs> And then if they say no to anything, then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll sing to you what I feel like. Okay, sing anything, please. Okay. <clears throat> uh, all right, let's go. I, I think I'll sing um, Ayre, uh, which is released this year. Yeah. 
ുംഴകിയ <laughs> 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 that was so good. I'm crying. Thank you. <laughs> okay, nice. Tears. Tears of joy, huh? <laughs> did you write that song as well? I did. I did. I wrote it. How much chai did you drink when you wrote it? Um I can't tell you what I was taking when I wrote it. <laughs> but <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> it it was uh it was chai and uh we had <laughs> we had a lot of it. we had like three flasks and we were in chennai when we when we wrote the song and we had just come back from hyderabad and we were on this like this high on work thing you know mm. yeah so we we wrote the song we wrote it in a night i wrote the song wow. in a night yeah and and for me my independent right i rarely like write lyrics later the lyrics happen when i'm recording the song itself mm. like i almost freestyle the lyrics and then it happens because it kind of captures captures my state of mind wow. uh most accurately if i do it that way yeah so that's how that that track happened that's amazing your lyrics are always so poetic especially in tamil not that i understand them but they've been translated and yeah. they're just so like evocative there's so much emotions because you're a poet as well yeah i mean uh, i really that's how it it started i think i don't know if i qualify to be a poet but i think uh I started writing lyrics and tune together when I was like 12. So that's my most like natural state of expression I think. Mm. And that yeah. was your persona back then like your album was called Nagara Kavi, right? Nagara Kavi, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like urban poet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you can tell I've been a fan for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you, you really know your stuff. Good. <laughs> Actually it's a trick question when I when I ask people like they'd be like um I really like your 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 songs a lot. Then I'd be like which song? I'd be like that. And they'd be like this song or do you know which album that is from? <laughs> it's like it's like to find out the level that you're at, you know, whether you're an OG or you know. Mm. It's fun. And some of them like uh, uh, I I I I like <laughs> <laughs> not enough chai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I you don't have enough chai. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. love our chai. It's like something that we always keep talking about <laughs> every time we have a conversation. What's the yeah. secret to making the best chai shabir? Um I think the secret to making the best chai is um the right uh, temperature of the water. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, boiling it to the right uh, point. and then the milk you use is extremely important oh. it can make or break the chai and then the dust matters the tea dust matters i drank um tea from uh, these folks they're called chai baba and uh, they make this vegan tea mm. and it is really good it's nice because you can see that they're really passionate about chai the way they make it you can taste it you can taste the passion so i like i like it i think that is the final ingredient which is like making it with so much of love where you're sharing you know the the love of 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 um of each other for each other through the chai yeah probably that is the secret ingredient the rest are all like ingredients yeah does that apply to making music as well of course of course i think i've always like wanted to explore um love 
like the kind of love which is so vast that it cannot be contained uh, within a single human being. And um, that's what I've been trying to explore through my music. So all the love songs that I've written, probably uh, when I was young, then I wrote it thinking that it's for a girl, but probably it's not just for a girl. It's for like a lot more, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then as I mature and then the writing changes, and then I realized that, okay, I'm, um, this is the feeling, but I just spoke in the language which I could speak with at that point. And then as I grow as an artist, that changes. So for me, it's like, uh, I think that honesty is very important, mm. uh, where you want to express as honestly as possible. And um, that's what it is all about. Like, you are being honest with yourself that you want to, you know, uh, share this expression with a group of people or with someone, or you want to unearth this within you. Mm. And I think that's how the chai is also. <laughs> like, you want to create something to actually, you know, share love through the chai. So in that way, it's all pretty similar. Yeah. That's so interesting because I've always thought of art as a type of communication where you want to transmit your ideas to someone else, but communication or the language that we have is so limited that sometimes the more you try to express something, the more aware you become of the limits of that language. Yeah. That's true. That is absolutely true, especially um, when um, you've got words. You know, I think uh, it was Leo Tolstoy who said that, how do you even, like, say how you feel or something like that or express your emotions? Yeah, there's a question like that, similar to that. How is it even possible to tell someone how you're feeling with words? Mm. So I think lyrics have got that thing, but I think music is a has got... Like, um, it's all different. It's all different. So when you just look at music itself, a, a certain note, when it's played in a certain way, um, and a certain combination of chords, they could express something. They could express the unexpressible. Mm. Uh, that's why they say when words fail, uh, music takes over. The right music and the right choice of words, when they marry and they come together, then I think that is like the epitome of um, expression. Is there anything that you find difficult when it comes to making music? Um, yeah, I find it difficult to, to make music when there are deadlines and there's pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, but I also find it difficult not to have deadlines. You understand the paradox? Mm -hmm. Like, without mm -hmm. that, I'll just be lingering on it for a very long time without finishing it. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's just like how... Uh, you know, humanity is mired in idiocy. So I am too, in that way. <laughs> like, I don't like the timeline, but I also need the timeline. And I'm like sandwiched in between. So I think that is one thing. Mm. I get it because like creativity needs some degree of freedom, but then also discipline helps you be more creative. Exactly. I think Tagore wrote this, a violin string by itself doesn't produce any music until it's bound up and it, within a certain structure. Wonderful. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, perfect. I haven't heard that one, but it's nice. I mean, I'm going to remember that and keep it, you know. Um, that is the truth, right? Like, um, and uh, also in life also, like, the, the Stoics talk about that. Like, there, there should be enough freedom to make free choices, but not so much freedom 
to the point where, you know, you are not able to achieve what you want. That freedom itself is actually uh, not allowing you to, to create and achieve what you want. So I, I think it's the balance and that's where we operate from. Your image sometimes is very serious and intellectual. Do you do anything that's for fun or do you have like a silly side? Yeah, I do. I do. In fact, I'm very silly. <laughs> like with my, with, my, with my daughters, I'm very silly. And they, they, call, they have a name for me. My name is Silly Boo. Oh. I'm Silly Boo. Yeah. <laughs> so anything that I do is like silly boo. They'd be like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm silly boo. And then um, with my team, uh, my like those who I work with, um, I'm also like really like silly with them, and I'm super lame. I've got a very lame side. I've got dry <laughs> humor. I've got lame humor. I mean, I won't even call it humor. It's just being lame. Yeah. Okay. I've got What's all the. What's the lamest thing you've done? The silliest, lamest thing or joke or practical joke that you've pulled. Okay. So I, uh, there is Anytime Fitness near my place and I'm in that gym and working out. So one of my, this is like, this is something which I, it's not even good enough to share it, but I'll just tell you again, like, because it happened like most recently, probably this morning. It better be really lame. Yeah. No, it's like, it's like this morning and then he's like, um, uh, okay, good job, man. Uh, thanks for sending me that. Then he sent me. Uh, so it's a serious conversation. Then he sent me anytime. Then I replied in fitness. So it's like. <laughs> so, okay, that's lame. Yeah, you know, so like I, I'm constantly like that, like in the middle of serious conversations, I'll, I'll do stuff like that. And they're so used to it. They're so used to it that when it comes to them, they're just like Tai Chi and then they're like, okay, come, let's, let's focus on what we're supposed to do. Like they completely ignore me. So I'm like that. Yeah. I can see why your party trick is singing and not making jokes. No, 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 no jokes at all. <laughs> I am not going there. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being a wonderful party guest. I would ask you to sing another song, but you would probably not come to any of my parties again. <laughs> well, I'll just um, send you an invoice after we end the call and uh, that'll be it. So, yeah. I deserve that. No. Yes. <laughs> I need to pay a song tax. <laughs> Not at all. Well, thank you very much for hosting me. And um, it's really nice. I mean, um, um, you know, uh, I've always, uh, and uh, one more thing. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to say that I've always admired your, your writing. Uh, my daughter really loves your book and she's finished it. And oh, really? she, yeah, she just finished it and she refused to give it to me. She's like, no, I need to finish it first. Amira? Yeah, Amira really likes it. Yeah. Oh. So that I must, yeah, I will, I will tell you that and then uh, I'll finish it and I'll tell you what I think about it too. Thank you so much. I've always enjoyed talking to you and all of our conversations have been so enriching, but I think my favorite part is that they can always end with something to do with chai or biryani. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Lame joke from you. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Take care now. House Party for Two is produced and presented by Maysia with audio editing by Sweet Sound. Head to channelnewsasia.com slash podcasts for more. <laughs>